Hey, I'm Michael, online pastor at Silverdale Baptist Church, and I'm excited to welcome you to our podcast. Now, after you listen to this episode, I hope you'll stick around for just a moment. I'll be sharing about some resources we have for you, as well as a few things going on at Silverdale right now that we would love for you to be a part of. Now, I really hope this podcast is just what you need today to help you in your relationship with Jesus. Hello from the Steffies. Hey, Silverdale family. Welcome to the Talvin home. Welcome to our house. Hi. Hi, Silverdale. Silverdale. Home. Hi. Hi. Just like you, we've been spending a lot of time here at home with each other. Try not to drive each other crazy. You know, that's the way it is no matter what's going on. You know, that's true no matter <laughs> what's going on. Home. Welcome to home. <laughs> the love we have for our family and each other should last through this season and beyond. It's true. That's the way God designed it. It's just the way God designed it. I'm so thankful that you're able to be a part of our worship service today. Many in our city, including me, don't have utilities yet, so I'm thankful you do. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to Matthew 19, and we've provided a Bible study outline for you as well online. Over the last four weeks, I've been teaching you that Christ is the Lord over the storms and that you can actually reverse your anxiety and experience peace. And you can have a song in your darkest nights. And for Easter, we saw that God will carry you through your days of pain and confusion into a day of joy. But today, we're beginning a brand new series called Rain or Shine, Love for Every Season. And we've been walking through some crazy seasons, haven't we? First, the COVID-19, then the mandate to shelter in place, and people start losing their jobs, and then Sunday night, we were all hit by a tornado, and so many lives have been turned upside down. And do you know what takes the biggest hit during those times of stress? Relationships. So we're beginning a relationship series that will help you in all your relationships. And today, I'm going to talk to those of you who are in a marriage relationship. For most of us who are married, we go through three stages of marriage. The first stage is, my marriage is wonderful. We call that the honeymoon stage. And in this stage, things come easy and your love tank is full. But then after a few years and a lot of unmet expectations, most of our marriages move to the second stage. My marriage is war. We argue and disagree. My spouse is so selfish or I don't feel loved. And, and so my love tank is empty most of the time. And it's sad, but that is where most marriages stay. And the only way out of this war stage is to move to the third stage of marriage. My marriage is work. My marriage is going to take some work. Now, for some people, they don't get this. They'll say, but it started so easy at first. And they just assume that since the marriage started easy, it should always stay easy. So when it gets hard, they start thinking, oh no, I married the wrong person. I made a mistake. Listen, we all married the wrong person because the person we married is a sinner. In fact, you and your spouse are such sinners, Jesus had to die for you. You are living with a sinner, so naturally marriage is going to require some work. And if you will give your marriage just a little work, it will move back to the wonderful stage again. But at whatever point you start taking your marriage for granted, it will decline. Your marriage is a lot like a garden. 
A garden can be beautiful and provide such incredible fruit to enjoy. But if you neglect the garden for a couple of weeks or months, the weeds will overtake it and choke the life right out of it. And then when you go out to your garden and you see all the weeds, you think, this is going to take too much work to make it beautiful again. But if you'll just go to that garden a couple of times a week and give it a little work, it will stay beautiful. Give the garden of your marriage a little work and it will move from the work stage to the wonderful stage again. How? Well, today I want us to look at the owner's manual for marriage, the Bible. In Matthew 19, Jesus was accosted by some religious leaders and they asked Jesus a question about marriage and divorce. Look at Matthew 19.3. Some of the Pharisees approached him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife on any grounds? Jesus answered the question by taking them back to the source of marriage. He simply quoted from the first book of the Bible, the creation account in Genesis. Look at verse 4. Haven't you read, he replied, that he who created them, that's God, in the beginning made them male and female. Just by that simple phrase, you find God's original design for marriage from the beginning, male and female. God created two genders, male and female. Even natural science tells you this. Yet in our culture today, states like New York and California recognize 31 different genders. There's male and female, there's bigender, there's transgender, there's gender bender, but God says no. Marriage is between a man and a woman. God did not create transvestites or bisexuals. Jesus said, from creation, you know God's original design. It is male and female. But I want you to also notice that the male and female are both in the singular. One man and one woman. God does not condone bigamy. God doesn't want one woman and two men or one man and two women, God has always wanted marriage to be one man and one woman for a lifetime. That is God's original design. And when you deviate from God's design, it will always mess up your life and it messes up our society. And so what Jesus does next is he gives us the keys to making God's original design a living reality for your marriage. Verse five is key. And he also said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So, they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Now, from this simple passage, we find the three keys to making your marriage wonderful again. But it's going to take some work. First, you got to make your marriage a priority. I mean, one of the major reasons why marriages start to fall apart is because one or both spouses start to take the marriage for granted and they allow so many other things and other people to become the main priority. Your relationship with your spouse has got to be your primary relationship. Your marriage must be first. You have to be devoted more to your marriage than to your parents or your work or your friends and even above, yes, your children. <laughs> your, your relationship with your spouse has got to be your primary relationship. Look again how this is written in verse five. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. You gotta leave your parents. <laughs> now, are we to love our parents? Absolutely. 
or when you care for them, of course. But you cannot put your parents above your spouse. I can remember whenever we would go to Florida to visit my family that my mom at the time was sort of critical. And um, I was used to tuning my mom out, but my, my wife Susan was not. And she was hanging around my mom and hearing her negativity all the time. And it was killing Susan. So one day I had to go to confront my mom. And I had to say, Mom, you need to back off. Now, I don't know of anything that's harder than rebuking your parents. But you see, my loyalty is now to my wife and not my parents. But it isn't just your relationship with your parents that change when you get married. Every relationship changes when you get married. When you tell a joke that embarrasses your spouse in order to be funny in front of your friends, then you've placed your loyalty toward your friends above your loyalty toward your spouse. Wives, if you always go to your dad or your brothers for counsel rather than your husband, then you're demonstrating greater loyalty to your dad than to your husband. One of the biggest ways that we violate this first principle is with our children. When you have children, it totally changes your world, and it should. But you can't put your children above your spouse. I mean, I hear of parents that let their children sleep with them in the bed. Every night, there's little Johnny sleeping with mommy and daddy. I don't care how much your kid may scream or cry, you better break him of that habit right now. Don't put your marriage on hold for several years just because you don't have the self-control to keep your kid in his own bed. Susan understood this long before I did. I remember every day when I'd come home from work, my kids would run to the door and greet me, Dad's home! <laughs> There's nothing more affirming than that. But after I played with the kids for a little while, Susan would say, okay kids, dad will spend time with you later. This is now our time, go play. She understood marriage comes before kids. If you want your child to be blessed, put your marriage above them. They would much rather have parents who are happily married than to be first and then your marriage falls apart. Most marriages start on a downward spiral at this most basic point. We put other things and other people before our marriage. Now, for some of you men, it may be football season or a basketball season. So many wives call themselves football widows because they must cope with the temporary death of their relationship during football season. We now interrupt this marriage for football season. I mean, sort of like this image here. Honey, do you have anything to say before football season starts? <laughs> Now, it's easy to pick on football season, but it could be anything. I know a lot of women who spend a lot of time looking at Facebook or Pinterest or Instagram. I heard one husband who said, do I need to post this on Facebook so you can know about it? <laughs> Some men find out things about their wife and what they're doing by looking at their social media posts. When something has your attention or your presence for a season of time that draws you away from your spouse, Something's wrong with that. Your marriage has got to be your top priority. You may think, well, I didn't sign up for this kind of commitment to put my spouse above others. Oh, yes, you did. <laughs> when you said, I do, it was to a vow that went something like this. Do you promise to love and care for better and for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health? And forsaking all others, I'll be faithful to you and only to you. I pledge my life and my love to you till death do we part. When you said that part of the vow, it meant I'm putting you before anyone else. 
If you want your marriage to work and become wonderful again, you've got to give it your priority. But Jesus gives us a second principle to a wonderful marriage. Jot this on your outline. You've got to cleave. Make your marriage a partnership. Make your marriage a partnership. What does that mean? God wants you to bond and then be close to your spouse. God's goal for your marriage is oneness. Yet for many marriages, you have a man and a wife and they just coexist. God wants you bonding in a partnership. Look again at what it says in verse 5. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be what? Be joined to his wife and the two will become one flesh. In your Bible, you can circle the words join. That means cleave together and become one. I mean, just as it is important for a husband or wife to leave, it is just as important for them to cleave and bond together. So often a husband is busy doing his own thing or the wife does her thing. They're like two singles with a marriage license. They're married, but they're not emotionally close. They coexist, but they're really not connected. And yet within the heart of every man is a desire to have a wife who's his best friend. And within the heart of every woman is a desire for her husband to know her and be close to her. That is why the entertainment industry makes billions of dollars every year. They make movies and TV shows and romance novels to touch our inner nerve of what we're longing for deep down inside. But the problem is that what the world is feeding us really doesn't produce what the movies promise. Now, logically, we know this is true, right? I mean, is this movie true or fiction? This is fiction. This is fantasy. <laughs> I mean, if you don't believe me, just look at the actors who play those roles. How are their marriages doing? Well, they're messed up. I mean, a lot of actors change partners like they change underwear, right? I mean, you don't need a fantasy marriage. You need a real marriage with real oneness. But you will only get it by following God's design. So I want to show you the two things that create oneness in a marriage. You can jot them down. First of all, it's time. Bonding requires time. The way you really spell love is T-I-M-E. We live in very busy times. I mean, all of us are busy. We have demanding jobs. We have demanding children and schools and extracurricular activities. It's like we have no time. I think part of the blessing of the coronavirus is that it's forced us all to slow down and spend time together. You see, we all have a tendency to allow other demands to crowd out our marriage. Listen to me, I'm speaking from experience. It is easy to take our spouses for granted and keep them waiting and waiting to spend time with us. But if we don't give them our time, eventually our marriage is gonna crash. It's like this. We say to our spouse, hey, hold this brick for me. And this brick represents our marriage. And I'll eventually get back to you and I'll help you hold this thing. But right now I'm really busy, so you just keep holding it. And your spouse tries really hard to hold the marriage brick. And we say, oh, as soon as I finish school, then I'm going to give you the time that you need. Or, you know what? <laughs> as soon as I get the business started and running, I'll give you the time you need. Or as soon as the kids are out of diapers, or as soon as the kids are out of school, or as soon as the house is built, or as soon as we're financially stable, and we keep putting our spouse on hold. And the longer they have to wait, 
the more painful your broken promises become. And then one day, the brick drops. And you go, what happened? You were holding the brick so good. Did I do something? No, it's what you didn't do. You didn't give me what I needed most, your time. I believe that there have been two things that have saved my marriage. A daily walk with my wife and a weekly date. We built those two things into our schedule. And I really believe that if you want a healthy marriage, you need a bare minimum of at least 20 minutes a day and at least two hours a week where you can give your undivided attention to your spouse. Why? Because bonding requires time. But besides time, bonding also takes talking. You can jot that down. Bonding requires talking. Spending time together is great, but it's never enough. Time together is simply an avenue to start talking. You go on walks so you can talk. You go on dates so you can talk. Communication is one of the most critical ingredients in every relationship. That's why next week my wife Susan is going to be joining me here so that we can do an entire message teaching you how to communicate well in your marriage and in all relationships. Now, we all know the statistics. Women speak about 20,000 words a day, and men speak about 7,000 words a day. And women can't understand, why don't you talk more? Simply put, we can't. <laughs> but the amazing thing happens. If we set aside 20 minutes a day, and we turn the TV off and the cell phone is put down. Miracles of all miracles happen. We can eke out enough words to hold down a decent conversation with our wife. Talking is critical because silence kills a relationship. And when things are going on in your life and you have no one to share those things with, we start to die on the inside. Or we start looking for other people with whom we can share our feelings to. And we start bonding with other people other than our spouse. Or we start this self-talk. And almost all self-talk leads to depressive and negative thinking. So bonding requires time and talk. That's how you cleave and start working together as partners. But Jesus gives us a third key principle for a wonderful marriage. And it's this. Three is you weave, make your marriage permanent. Weave, you need to be committed to the permanence of marriage. Marriage is to be till death do us part. I mean, you had a wedding, right? The word wed comes from the Latin, which means to weave. When you got married, you agreed to a weaving process. We are no longer two, but one. It's no longer my money or my time. No, you're one. And this relationship is to be permanent. Look at what Jesus says about marriage in verse six. So they're no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. In your Bible, circle no longer two. That means that God has literally taken two individuals and two different backgrounds and two different personalities, and he's weaved them together. Me becomes we. God no longer sees two, he now sees one. So you better start seeing your marriage the way God sees your marriage. And because the two are now one, you should not divorce. Look again at what Jesus says in verse six. 
So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Circle in your Bible, let no one separate. See, marriage is to be permanent. That means I'm not going anywhere. We're, we're, we're going to take divorce out of our vocabulary. You see what happens is that when things start getting tough in a marriage and things start going sideways, we think, oh, I married the wrong person. So we bail on that marriage. And then a few years later, we, we find another person. And a few years go down the road and we realize, oh, I've married the wrong person for a second time. That's why 67% of second marriages end in divorce. 75% of third marriages end in divorce. Why? Is it because you keep marrying the wrong person? No, you're the wrong person. You have the wrong concept of marriage. Jesus says that your marriage is to be permanent. Now I know some of you are divorced and you go, what do I do? Well, you can't go back. You can only look forward. And the purpose of this message is not to heap on you a bunch of guilt, but it is to help you in the present marriage that you have to thrive. And a marriage will not thrive if you're always looking for an escape route. So walk in God's grace to cover your past, but stay married to your spouse today. Now, here's the deal. There are going to be many times when you don't have your marriage as your top priority. And there's going to be many times that you do not feel close and connected to your spouse. So what will carry you through your marriage during those hard times? It will be your commitment to permanence. You've got to throw divorce out of your vocabulary and make your marriage work. You see, if I'm not going anywhere and she's not going anywhere, then it forces you to work it out. I know I've shared this before about my mom and dad. Dad was in the Air Force and stationed in South Georgia. They met at a dance and they dated for a few times. And then my mom got pregnant out of wedlock. Uh, mom said, hey, uh, look, can we go down to the courthouse and get married so my child will not have the stigma of being born illegitimate? Dad said, sure. So they got married, and then they went their separate ways. Dad got a job in Atlanta, and Mom gave birth to my sister, Kathy. My mom's family said, that man ought to be paying child support. So my mom filed a complaint. The police got the complaint, drove to Atlanta, arrested my dad. <laughs> my mom was horrified. She just wanted the money. She didn't think they were going to throw him in jail. So she went to visit him in jail. And in jail, my dad said, I didn't think you wanted me around. And my mom said, well, I didn't think you wanted me or the baby. And he said, well, I will if you will. And that's how my parents' marriage started. <laughs> I mean, it began on a rocky ground. And you know what? It was rocky, had a lot of ups and downs throughout the years, but they stayed together. Eventually, both of them came to faith in Jesus Christ. And that's when their lives and their marriage really started getting better. I can remember whenever Susan and I were first going through premarital counseling, we were to ask our parents why they stayed together. So Susan asked my dad, what is it that kept you and Connie together? And she had this all romantic eyes. And dad said to her, honestly, it was the kids. <laughs> now, that didn't sound all that romantic or fulfilling, but it was the truth. And can I tell you, as one of their kids, I'm so glad they stuck together. Notice how God puts this in Malachi chapter 2, verse 14. The Lord witnessed the vows you and your wife made. Didn't the Lord make you one with your wife 
in body and in spirit, you are his. And what does God want? Godly children from your union. So guard your heart, remain loyal to the wife of your youth. For I hate divorce, says the Lord. God says, I hate divorce because of how it negatively affects the children. Today, my sister is now married to a pastor. My older brother is an elder in his church. I'm a pastor and so is my younger brother. Here's a picture from our family reunion this past December. You'll see there four generations of our family and almost every one of them are passionate followers of Jesus Christ today. Do you know why? Because my parents decided to stay together even when it was hard. But they also stayed together because they were dependent on the Lord. Remember I told you that the word wed means to weave? Well, when you weave the Lord into your marriage, He's going to give you the strength that you need to make it through the toughest times in your relationship. You need to put Christ at the center of your marriage. Look at how Solomon puts this in Ecclesiastes 4.12. A cord of three strands is not quickly tore apart. Your marriage is like a braid. You have the husband and you have the wife, but for a braid to work, you need a third party. And that third party is Jesus Christ. He's the one that holds the husband and the wife together. Let me show you two statistics. The first is one in two. That means 50%. 50% of marriages, one in two, end in divorce. Now look at the second statistic. One in 1,015. That's the divorce rate of Christians that pray together and go to worship together on a regular basis. See those two statistics? One in two versus one in 1,015. That's a huge difference. What caused that huge difference in the divorce rate? It's when a couple chose to weave the Lord into their marriage. They regularly prayed together and worshiped together. Listen, God doesn't want your marriage to always be at war. God wants it to be wonderful again. So if you will implement God's plan into your marriage and work at it, it will be wonderful. Well, I hope this was helpful to you. If while listening, you realized you need to take the next step in your relationship with Jesus, we would love to help you with that. You can connect with us by clicking the link in the show notes to our website and then clicking the connect card button. In our weekend worship services, we are in a sermon series called The Seven Commands of Christ. Jesus gave dozens of commands and as followers of Jesus, we should obey all of them. Over the next several weeks, we are focusing on seven that will change your life. We would love for you to join each week at one of our campuses, or you can attend online. You will find service times by clicking the link in the show notes to our website. You know, there's so many ways for you to get involved and be a part of what God is doing here at Silverdale, and we really want you to feel welcome and a part. So please stay connected. Be sure to like and follow us on the different social media accounts. You'll find all the links in the show notes of this episode. And lastly, help us spread the word about this podcast. Take a moment to share this episode with your family and friends. Again, we appreciate you listening and hope you will join us again next time.